Hey everyone, welcome to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. That's right. Today we uh, we finished our series up on James. That's right. That, that is right. And now we're heading into something new. So Pat, where are we at today? We are going to kind of be diving into the idea of Advent for the next four mm. weeks, including a special post-Advent devotional on December 31st. So you won't want to miss that. That's going to be extra exciting. But today we are going to check out uh, Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah. Yeah. And we're going to be in chapter 33 and we're looking at three verses, three chapter 33, three verses, three is a theme, but we're looking at verses 14 through 16. Now, Jeremiah is not one of those books that you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to power through the book of Jeremiah today. (laughs) In fact, I think I could be wrong on this. We might need to Google it to check it out. But I think Jeremiah from a word count standpoint might be the longest book in the Bible. Let's ask our let's research. What, yeah, let's ask our research re- assistant. research department. What is the longest book of the Bible <laughs> by word count? By word count, I don't know. With chapters, I think the Psalm Book of Psalms would be the longest in terms of chapters. Verse count, I don't know what that would be. Oh man, well I'm I'm sorry to report our research department is happy to report that by word count, Jeremiah is the longest book of the Bible. With 33,002 wow. words. That's a lot of words. 33,002 words. Jeremiah had a lot of words. So Jeremiah is a prophet, and uh, prophets basically, they use their words on behalf of God to speak to the people. Yeah. And some people think prophets just like foretell the future. You know, they're uh, like like kind of some sort of like spooky, mystic kind of people. Yeah. Um, but really what prophets would do is tell the people, uh, kind of be the mouthpiece for God. Uh, so they tell the people what God would say. Right. And sometimes they would even speak to God on behalf of the people, hmm. uh, which is kind of a cool deal. But um, the idea was to get people to change uh, what they were doing, to change their ways based on God giving them a warning. Um, yeah. And also part of it is to give them a sense of hope that there's something more that God's not done with them yet. So, yeah. Now, Jeremiah would be a wild, quick read. Take quite a bit of time. I yes. Think. And it's crazy. Jeremiah does have more words than even Psalms. But in second place, it's actually Genesis with about wow. a thousand words less than Jeremiah. 30, wow. 32,000. You know, I would not have, I would have not thought that. I maybe, if I thought about it longer, would maybe say Genesis or Psalms would be in yeah. second or first. Pretty long. I, I know that there's some books where if you ever, and maybe some of you have tried this to read through the whole Bible, like in a year or in any kind of given time, or to pick a book and read the whole thing. There's some books that you can sit and read in like a minute. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, like <laughs> minor Second, prophets. Third John, like some of those little, and yeah, some of the minor prophets, it's like, it's a matter of minutes you can read the entire book. Um, I think when I first in my life decided, hey, I'm going to read through the whole Bible, and I grabbed Genesis, and I read through... I think 40 chapters of Genesis in a day. Wow. I just sat and like, I was like, I'm wow. going to power through. And I just kept going and sat down for a few hours and read. Um, I, I do know someone, I know someone who, who was like a Navy SEAL. Uh, so they're like hardcore, like go after it. They decided to read the entire Bible in one sitting. Dude. Wait, without stopping? Without stopping. Oh my gosh. Like just to, to read, read and do nothing but read. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much they actually understood what they were reading, but they said they went through all of it in about 48 hours and didn't sleep. 
There's okay. Okay, no. maybe like <laughs> maybe. I guess if you skip some of the more just generic info, like family sure. tree stuff, yeah, if you yeah, skip yeah. if you breeze that, like even in Genesis, if you breeze that, I think you can probably do it. If you focus more on like the the narratives and the stories, maybe I wonder how many hours like an audio Bible is. Like if you listen to a whole audio Bible, how long that would take? There is like a podcast out there. I they're I think they're sure. close to wrapping it up. I think oh, they started yeah. a few years ago. And it's just someone reading the Bible. Yeah, there's wow. every day. It's can you can our research department look up how long is an audio Bible? How many hours of listening is an audio Bible? I'm gonna guess it's in the 80s or 100 hours maybe. You're close. Well, you're close with 80s. Okay. The the Holy Bible audiobook edition from okay. Amazon, according to our research department, lasts about 90 hours. 90 hours. Okay. All right. The complete old version of the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there we go. And it's in separated into three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten sections. Wow. Okay. So 90 hours. You know, you think about it like there are probably TV shows you've spent more time watching. Right. Um, the Bible is, uh, is one of those things that we always think it's so hard to get through, to read the whole thing. Well, if you've read the Harry Potter series, you've read more words than, than the Bible. Uh, yeah. If you've read the whole thing. Sure. Um, so it's actually doable to read through Scripture. And what's cool is you can also take it in small chunks like we're going to do today. Yeah. Also, I guess the shortest version of the audio Bible was 72 hours long. And it came out in 1950. All right. On some speed reading. Eight tracks and cassette tapes. <laughs> it took 10, 72 cassette tapes and was 72 wow. hours long. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Thank you, research department, working overtime today for us. I, we appreciate it. <laughs> they're, they're over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Jeremiah, chapter 33. With the idea of Advent in mind, since we are entering into that season, December 3rd, here we go, verses 14 through 16, you're on it. All right. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days and at the time, and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the name by which it will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whew. All right. Jeremiah. Yeah. Here we go. So, so this, is like, start? this is kind of like a quote from a different scripture passage. Right? I don't have my footnotes on here. My footnotes on here want to take us in this one to uh, 1 Corinthians. Okay. To to kind of go forward to look at 1 Corinthians quoting this. But you're right. This does look like it's a quote. Um, and... Well, well, we'll chip away just at verse yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot just in verse 14. Truth. The days are coming. Okay, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the good promise I made with the people of Israel and Judah. The good promise. Yeah. Uh, fulfilling. That's, that's kind of exciting. Uh, in light of Advent, you know, this, the beginning of a, the season of Advent is the beginning of 
kind of like the good, the good promise. So this is a good scripture passage to kind of open us up into this Advent season of Christ's coming. Kind of exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. And uh, the days are coming, declares the Lord, right? Uh, he's going to fulfill the promise that he made to the people of, and he says Israel and Judah. So it's two different things because uh, the the kingdom of Israel was divided for a long time into like a north and south. Uh-huh. And, and that promise, though, was for all the people of Israel. So it'd be, it was, I mean, I'm trying to think of a modern example, um, like of something that was two different places or two different countries that maybe are have come back together as one. Um, but see, God has a covenant with his people, which is really cool that he makes these covenants and those covenants don't stop at borders, right? Sure. Yeah. Those promises don't stop at borders. So, right. Um, God's bigger than that. Right. Um, but he had this covenant with the people of Israel, um, and he didn't want to exclude the people of uh, Judah, who were also the people of Israel. And so he uh, he's he's talking about this. He's bringing it up now. This was during a time of of captivity, um, or a time of exile, uh, which is also captivity, where these people have lost their homeland. They didn't have their homeland. Um, they were kind of put out somewhere else. Things are not going good and we're not, they weren't going well. And um, people needed hope. And so Jeremiah, a lot of his messages that he gives are, you know, not, not all of hope, but there's some really good ones of hope that are in the book of Jeremiah. And this is one too. Um, and so some of this is like, you got to think about prophecy as being like, what's next for the people of Israel and Judah Mm-hmm. So it might be like even in their lives, like what's happening tomorrow, what's happening next week, what's happening to them in the for the rest of their lives, what's happening to their children and generations further. And then there's also what's going to happen like at the end times. Yeah. Like, what is the ultimate, uh, you know, the ultimate thing that God is going to do? So when we look at prophecy, we have to read it and think like, well, is this talking about what was going to happen then? Is it talking about what's going to happen or what's happened like a thousand years later? 2000 years later or today. Mm-hmm. Um, and scripture is crazy in that God can use scripture to even speak to us today. Like you could read this and God could be telling you about something that's going to happen today. Yeah. Using this verse, right. right? Yeah. So context is everything. But when we bring faith and prayer into scripture, we see how God can use it uh, even in our own circumstance and our own situation. Yeah, absolutely. It's the whole idea of the living book, right? Exactly, exactly. Everything about the Bible is so very relevant today. I mean, it's so crazy to read scripture and see common parallels to today. It's not yeah. a history book. It's a still current book. Right, yes. And it's crazy how it all kind of comes together in one. So here it says um, that God, like the days are coming, declares that we're going to fulfill the good promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. Well, what is that good promise in my Bible and maybe in yours too? There's a little footnote that's up there and it brings, in mine, it brings me uh, to three different verses. And one Mm -hmm. is Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14, which is a big long section, but but effectively it's it's saying, follow God's commands and you're going to have 
good things. In yeah. Life, right. Yeah, yeah. And this is what people normally think of like God in general. They think if I do the right thing, I'll get the right reward. It's like, follow God, get a reward, follow God, get a reward. Yeah. Um, and so, and so that kind of fits in. Um, that's still even applicable to today. Yeah, no, it totally is. So if we follow God's commands, like if we realize like, you know, I'm actually going to live by the Lord's commands. Um, it's the best way to live. Yeah. And there's things that come out of that that mm-hmm. are good. That doesn't mean your life is going to be free from suffering. It doesn't mean your life is going to be free from hardship. It doesn't mean uh, that everything's going to go perfect with you. In fact, your life could be pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, but And the blessings might be in different ways. Like you might have peace that, you know, transcends all understanding. Uh, you might have friendships that... Um, are just amazing because you both believe in in the Lord and are living for God. Uh, you might have some of those blessings, um, but we got to be careful to say, well, if I follow God's commands, I'm going to be rich or I'm going to be successful or I'm going to be like, you know, physically healthy all the time. It just doesn't really work like that. Right. Uh, but God here has said, follow my commands because that's when things are going to go. Like, if you want to be on my side, follow my commands. Yeah. Um, and so this is what's going to be fulfilled is the fulfillment of, Hey, follow God's commands. Things are going to happen. The, the second version here is Joshua twenty three fifteen, which says, but just as all the good things, the Lord, your God has promised you have come to you. So he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord, your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. So this is the curse side of it too. Right. Right. So it's like, just as much as God can bless you, if you flee and run away from him, he can curse you yeah. uh, and throw you out of this land. Right. Um, so that's the second half. And then it also goes back to Jeremiah 29.10, which says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, which is where they're in captivity, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Yeah. Yeah. Which God did. Right. The people did leave Babylon and they did in the book of uh, Ezra uh, and Nehemiah. You can kind of hear the story of them um, coming back and fulfilling uh, or starting to rebuild the temple. Uh, And now my history has gone all askew because I'm trying to think of which exile they were leaving in in Ezra. It might have been the exile in uh, Persia. Man, now my history is all crazy <laughs> right now. The people of Israel were exiled multiple times. Yeah. Uh, Babylon was one, if you think like Nebuchadnezzar in the 70 years. Right. Uh, and then um, there was also uh, exile further north instead of east. So I'll look, th- I'll look that up while I'm here just <laughs> to make sure which one was which. Yeah. And ver- verse 15... In those days and at that time, I'll make a righteous branch sprout from David's line who will do what is just and right in the land. Now, anytime I see Hmm. just and right, I just think the correct, he'll do what is correct. I don't, I really dislike the the term just and right. It's not something that I'm a a fan of. Why not? (laughs) It sounds too judgy, like in a court, like a courtroom. You know, I wish it would be court would be kind of funny if you ever watched like Judge Judy or anything, or there's been other court cases in the news lately. If if the judges, instead of talking in circles, like we will do what is just and right. If they just say, yeah, we'll do what's correct. 
if they just talk in normal lingo instead of all this legal legal lingo, not the legal legal ling, legal lingo type. Okay. But uh, yeah. So he says, "I'll make a righteous branch sprout from David's line." So interesting, interesting uh, comment there. Yeah. That I don't really <laughs> fully so understand. Yeah, no, no. It's it's like a it's a good it's a good thing to at least to look at um, because David forever was like the king of like he was like the man he was a king that everyone wanted and God made promises to David that were um, important. Yeah. Well, um, ultimately, this is talking about the coming of Christ, right? Ultimately, yeah. Ultimately, like, it very, is very vague, very vaguely though. Yes. Uh, he will do what is just and right in the land. Start talking about Jesus is coming. Uh, I almost feel like it was vague on purpose. I mean, I, I know, everything in, in scripture is like on purpose, but uh, it's not super, super clear. But uh, yeah, there's, there's like a lot of prophetic things that are coming together in one here. Like, cause God had made like, so it says in those days at the time, I'll make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. Um, the idea of the righteous branch is something that comes from, you know, one section of scripture, the whole, the whole uh, David uh, peace. Second um, Samuel seven twelve says, "When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offering or your offspring to succeed you. Uh, your own flesh and blood I will establish, and I will establish his kingdom." So David has this promise that his kingdom is going to continue and is going to keep going on. But if you follow David's line. His son was Solomon, so that made sense. Solomon's son was a guy named Rehoboam, and he didn't do a good job. And that's when you had the kingdom divided into two, right? Because Rehoboam did, made a big mistake. He listened to all his young punk friends instead of listening to like the elderly, um, not elderly, but the elder, smart, intelligent, wise folks who had counseled Solomon. He was like, nah, I'm going to listen to my buddies because they seem to know what to do. And he started to enact their policies and their policies made everyone flee and just be like, we're not going to follow you. You're like lame. Uh, we're going to go to our own thing. And back then they had a phrase where it said like each to his own like house basically or like everyone to his own land, which basically meant we're not going to follow the king anymore. We're just going to take care of like our own stuff. Yeah. So the kingdom back then was like kind of a, a tenuous thing. It was something that could fall apart really easily. And so um, David's line was kind of disrupted. Yeah. But like you pointed out so aptly is that there's this new thing going on, right? Yeah. And we have Jesus who is biologically, I guess, from Jesus, from David's line, from the line of David. Yeah. And so, which is like kind of a cool thing, right? So right. here's like the fulfillment of this king, but it's not the kind of king that they were expecting. Yeah. And I, I loaded up the message translation of this scripture and I like how it's written. It says, he will run this country honestly and fairly. He will set things right. Uh, and that's exactly what Christ is coming to do. And it, it is very vague the way it's laid out here. No one, like you said, you would expect someone that comes as like a king to be like a huge ruler. And that's totally, it is what the case was, but in a very unconventional way. 
Um, Jesus came and wasn't like a king, kingly person. He just was, he was Jesus, which is obviously different. And he did just go around and do what was right and correct. Uh, and the out, outcome is in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. This is the, this is the name by which it will be called the Lord, our righteous savior. That was verse 16 there. Um, so yeah, big things happening, big things coming down the pipeline for them, uh, restoring everything that was lost, making everything good as new, uh, kind of exciting. Yeah. And by the way, it was the Babylonian captivity, not the Assyrian. So there's two Babylonian <laughs> Assyrian. I had to track that down. My mind sometimes just gets all, <laughs> it's all over the place. Um, but yeah, I think Nehemiah and, uh, or Ezra and Nehemiah are about the return of the Babylonian captivity. Um, but yeah, so if you ever want to look it up, there's all sorts of graphs out there on Babylonian, <laughs> seriously, graphs and pictures on Babylonian captivity. And if you have a study Bible, it's in the back, huh. the Assyrian captivity that happened for, for those people, which I guess, you know, in some ways for us, we can look at that and say, well, what's our captivity right now? You know, like, what are we... What do we need hope for? Like the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I fulfill the good promise, when God will return. Yeah. So we're living in the reality where Jesus has come back. We know Jesus. We can have a relationship with Jesus, and that's awesome. But not everything's fixed yet, you know? Right. We're still in a pandemic. Sure. There's still uh, racial and social injustice. Yeah. There's still uh, violence. There's still poverty. There's still all these things. And all of those things in a lot of ways are, are like a captivity. Well, even on a very minute scale, every year when we get to Thanksgiving and then to Christmas, there's little things. There's holiday shopping, which is a kind of a stressor. There's family encounters. There's extra church services and extra things going on. There is like some element of captivity just in the season of Christmas and Advent anyway Yeah, uh, that you kind of get sucked into. And then the emphasis on Christmas Eve of Christ coming, it's kind of when every, all of that can be released. It's yeah. like at the very end of this whole crazy season. Yes. So a lot yes. of preparation on multiple fronts goes into uh, Christ coming and Christmas mm. Eve and the whole, the whole season. So there's captivity in that too, as yeah. on top of all the big things like you listed, the social yeah, and, totally. and racial injustice, the mm -hmm. still in the middle of a pandemic and just kind of different things like that. Yeah. And it, it's a good reminder in some ways being in captivity and being free uh, when God frees us, it's a good reminder that we're really not as in charge as we think we are. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> like, we really don't have all the power all the authority, all of that. We are, uh, we really are um, under the authority and the power of the Lord and God is in charge. And the good news for us uh, is that we have a righteous savior. Yeah. Right. That the Lord name. is our righteous savior and our righteous savior has done it. He's already completed the task of saving us. Yeah. And that is such an amazing thing for us to have. Eventually we will all live in, in safety because we'll be in the presence of God. Yeah. And I think we all know how the, the story goes, how Advent and Christmas goes. But I think as we move forward through the weeks of Advent, being present in the moments like this, 
where you have to kind of trust that someone is coming, that a savior is coming, that we'll live in safety and we'll be saved. And the name, his name will be the Lord, a righteous savior kind of being attentive to that, knowing how everything turns out, uh, can give us a greater appreciation of who Jesus is and of his coming. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, there we go. Oddball passage, but we we conquered it and we had our research department and we had a history lesson. Oh man. And there we go. Yeah, maybe that's a good that's a good reminder for us uh brush up on our uh on our exilic uh <laughs> scripture passages. So we remember about all the exiles and all the history and all that kind of fun stuff, but uh Instead, we'll just focus on Christmas. Looking forward to the future. That's right. Thanks for checking out today's devotional. Bye, everyone.